thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. Love Sport. Good evening, this is Love Sport Radio and you're listening to the Millwall Fan Show with me, Matt Beadle, and the guys from the No Lou Talking Podcast. George Lampy, Darren James and Jeff. Burnage. How are we, chaps? We're fine, Matt. Yeah. Nice to see you, actually. Good. Nice to see you too, guys. I thoroughly enjoyed it last Matt, week. Matt, I haven't worked with you before. I think it's going to be a revealing experience. <laughs> a revealing? <laughs> and that's for you, I'm Matt. I'm not sure how to take that. Crikey. Um, but, gents, we, we must talk about the last pre-season friendly Millwall 3, Real Sociedad 3. Some absolute crackers in there, eh? Some great finishes. was really a very exciting game. They're a really good team, Sociedad. What a bunch of good footballers they are. Yeah. They'd be a credit to the Premier League then. How's the atmosphere at the Den? There weren't that many fans there? No, it wasn't a good turn. We always get that kind of crowd for a pre-season game, whoever we play. We've had uh, testimonials for really, really admired players. They get 3,500 people because a lot of people are on holiday. Some people don't like a pre-season friendly. Um... So, uh, I think the atmosphere was all right, but what is it? Just two stands, isn't it? The main stand and the taxi that brought the Real Sociedad fans. <laughs> <laughs> the other end. But I've got, well, I've got my own. Off. I've got my own thing about that game. Go on. Um, I was there. Mm-hmm. I can't remember a thing about it. And really? the reason is, Matt, you can congratulate me. I was about to go to the hospital to meet my two grandchildren who were born that morning as twins. One of each, my first grandchildren, and frankly, uh, my mind was elsewhere at that game. I had to put it on on uh, video afterwards and see what had happened. I could, all I remember was the penalty that we scored. Don't really? remember Ben's goal or anything. I was miles away. So, um, Well, that's uh, a lovely story. I don't think we could top that on the podcast. No, we do you want to give them now. a little mention on air, just so, you know, I know they won't hear it, but... Uh, what's well, Martha's name? my daughter, David is her husband, and my little Sam and Lois... Uh, uh, I'm telling you my daughter's very good she's done the deal with David already they're going to support Wales Rugby and Millwall Football Club (laughs) (laughs) he's a Liverpool fan you see perfect oh lovely moving on what was the game like someone tell me what the game was like I mean the the goals speak for themselves I know there was a penalty but both Mahoney and Thompson's finishes were were top draw oh they were marvellous top top bins I mean if there's a definition of top bins that's it yeah, uh, and and Thompson's just carrying on. I, I think we've got all eye hopes for Thompson because he came back from his loan period last season. Um, and he just, well, I think he was one of the reasons we stayed up. He played so well. I think the guys would agree with that. Do you, you know, guys? Sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then a beautiful goal there that he got. But he got quite a few goals last season, you know, uh, as in once he came back. And I think they played an important part. I think he will be a really important cog in our team, especially in the art of the midfield there. And uh, and then Maloney, I mean, that was a nice little goal. He's got good feet. And, uh, and um, you know, if he plays him on the left wing, which I hope he will do, We've been crying out for a left wing of the team desperately. You know, it's, we've been unbalanced all last season. Well, not only in that position, but in others. And I think it'll make a big difference to us as a football club, as, as a football team going, you know, we'll be set out properly, I think, rather than lopsided. Absolutely. And he was obviously in incoming this summer. A couple of more this week, gents. Bartosz Bielkowski. Now, 
I'm going to say I brought this up last week because the guy seemed adamant that that deal was done, oh, n- not happening, because I know he failed his medical. But I suggested that actually that put Millwall in a really good position in terms of their, their bargaining power and the fact that he'd failed a medical. He wanted a new club, wanted to get away from Ipswich. Ipswich wanted to let him go. And Millwall could quite easily come back and say, well, we can't pay what we were going to pay for you because you failed your medical. We won't do another medical, but come on loan for a season. Done. And that's what's happened. Well done. It's down to you then, Matt. Everyone says, well, when he has a good season, it's down to you. Thank you, Matt. Good man. Um, actually, credit to Jeff because he said some weeks ago when everyone was saying the deal's gone, the deal's finished, Jeff came along and he said his bit, didn't you, Jeff? Yeah, I had a feeling that might happen. I mean, I've, you know, as everyone knows, I've, I've been in that position and I, I thought, so, look, Ipswich are potless. The manager, the chairman doesn't want to put any money in. They've gone down. They wanted people off the wage bill. Uh, unless somebody came in, and at the last minute, I read somewhere today that someone in Poland wanted him. Oh, right, I haven't but, heard, um, I haven't heard but, that. But uh, look, um, to get him in on loan for a year, uh, what a brilliant deal, because we can make our minds up in our own time. I believe the rules are you can sign him on a permanent contract any time. Once he's on loan, you can make him into a full-time player in November if you want. I think that's right, but I'm not sure. Um, but... Um, um, it was always the case that we were going to sign two keepers to compete, maybe even three. Uh, last year, we had three at this stage. We did we? indeed, mm. yes. yeah. Well, we saw a lot of outgoings, right? So Jordan Archer obviously left the club. David Martin has gone to West Ham. And Ben Amos moved on as well, didn't That's he? That's right. Yeah. Tom King to Newport. Absolutely. Is another so one. we've had three keepers leave, gone to league clubs. Mm. So Neil's judgment's on the line. and I'm betting he's got it right. But I wouldn't be surprised if a third keeper didn't arrive before... Um, but Possibly. young Ryan Sanford's a very good goalkeeper, but uh, he probably needs the confidence you build up from playing a lot of games um, in what used to be nicely called the reserves. Um, <laughs> of course. The under, the the under 23s, they're all going to be 18 yeah. years of age. I mean, most of that team will be the ones that played in the youth team last year. Mm. So for a change, the under 23 league will actually be useful mm. um, because they'll all be really young boys absolutely um, I think we signed eight didn't we from from one crop last year well they've all got, they're all playing that yeah. Um, yeah. so that's good which is rare for us Matt you know to to sign that many youngsters is well I mean hopefully that's a step forward in the right direction for us you'd like to think so obviously you, you brought Jason Malumbi has come in as well hasn't he from, from Bournemouth not a Millwall player but looks like he's going to be impressive you hope that he doesn't stunt the growth of some of those youth teamers I think he will be a, a main cog in, in Millwall's midfield next season always a danger that and it you know you get somebody in like that and I think this boy you know as you say I think he's going to be if he gets in the team he, he may stay there so um, you know that could I think the law of averages it does stop the growth of mm. other players coming along and I don't know how you how you do that if you want to bring these players in then they have to try to be better I suppose that's the object of the exercise just quickly going back to goalkeeper sorry Darren you had a point there uh, he's a terrific young player Malumbi is going to be in the team I can see him in and Ben as being two of the three midfield players if if Neil sets out with three midfield players which I hope he does because that's that's a surefire winner in my book. The guy's terrific. There's only two players, in my opinion, that, that are as good as him, if not better, from the Premiership. One is Mason Mount. Of course, he was at Derby last year. He's gone back to Chelsea. He'll be in, the, in their team this year. And the other one is uh, Jack Rolls, who I've been championing about for a couple of years now, the Spurs boy, terrific mm-hmm. young player. Mm-hmm. Other than that, we've got a, a cracking player there. Well done, Neil, on getting him through the door. Yeah, it looks like he's Are got Are you Rolls' agent? Because you're banging on about that <laughs> all the time. Not yet. <laughs> um, I mean, we're going to talk about the fans forum later. 
later, but the, that question we've just posed, is it holding anybody back? It's something that Neil tackled last night. Oh, brilliant. Uh, and, uh, I mean, just briefly to touch on that, he has got a clear idea who's ready for his first-team squad and who needs to play in the under-23 team. He's got a really firm idea. Uh, so um, no one will be holding anybody back, not this year. Uh, not certainly for the first half of this year. Uh, Neil's got it clear in his mind. You could tell from his answers last night. Good. OK, we'll definitely get onto that fans forum later. I'm always mm. fascinated by fans forums. I think they're brilliant. Sometimes you think, is this just a bit of spin from a manager to let fans hear what they should hear? But on other occasions, a guy like Neil Harris, very honest individual, you like to think he's always speaking the truth. Another name, guys, Jason McCarthy has come in from Wickham Wanderers. Heard some good things about McCarthy. Quite an attacking fullback and play in the in the central areas as well. Happy with that one? Well, I think so. What I've seen of him, he, he likes to go forward, uh, which is, well, I think all all backs now have to be able to go forward, don't they? It's, you know, it's part and parcel of the job. But he, he passes very well forward, you know, nice. He looks for space, so... Yeah, I think if you've got a forward that, you know, obviously the main criteria is that you've got to be able to defend, but he, he he goes forward, he passes well, you're nearly there, aren't you? You know, it just gets in the team. I mean, he's got... Marlon's possibly going to be in front of him when it comes to, you know, the right-back position, which I think is where Neil may well play him, but if he gets in there, he may well keep the position, I think. So it's it's, it's all hiffs and butts at the moment, isn't it? He's good enough to take that number two shirt all yeah. day long. Yeah, he's solid. He had uh, a lot of good experience, a lot of good uh, grounding at Southampton. They're a good club, they are. They bring in a lot of good young players, and even players they don't quite get in their team, they end up having good careers elsewhere. Neil's done great business on him, getting him in. Fantastic. Mm. He can play right back, he can play centre-half, and he can even play potentially on the left side as a back. So, well done, club, getting him in. Yeah, I mean, it's obvious what Neil's done. He's lent Danny McNamara to, was he gone, Newport? Newport, yeah, Newport. He's a 20-year-old right back. At 20, historically, you've been ready, mm. right? Ready or released. But he's given him a year at Newport under Mike Flynn, who Neil played with at Gillingham, I believe. He did, yeah. Um, so they, he knows everybody, Neil, I think. And um, It's a gift. It's good to have that connection, it is a gift. isn't it? Uh, he doesn't play on it, though, does he? He keeps <laughs> it quiet. Um, but um, I, I would imagine that there is a straight fight on there for the right-back spot. And um, McCarthy is probably better defensively than Marlon. Very much um, so. So we'll have to see. But um, the left-back position... You are talking about a competition between Shane Ferguson, who he didn't always pick, and maybe better as a left midfield player, and Murray Wallace, who clearly is a left-sided centre-back who can play left-back. Uh, I'm a little bit surprised that's not been a position he's got and strengthened. But yeah, I think he's had Wallace set in stone in that position, to be honest. Yeah. You know, he played there just before he got injured. Um, the only thing that Wallace lacks, and uh, you know, it will catch him out sometimes, but maybe not very often, is that if he has a very fast winger against him, he, he will get he will get caught out then. But otherwise, his experience as a centre half, he's a big, tall man, he moves quick, you know, he moves well. So, I I think Neil has been nailed on for that left. You know, I think Neil thought this is the fella for left back. I, I would say that if he has, I mean, we'll look, we'll know who the opposition are. And if one of their strengths is a really, really quick right-sided player, Neil's team selection, left midfield, will partly deal with that, I think. I think that will be one way he'll look at it. Um, I think 
the squad he's put together, he actually can occasionally play horses for courses. Uh, so we'll see. Um, it's Neil's team. He's four and a half years in. He was very open what he thought about last season. He said what he would do. He's gone and done it. Um, so, he's, and he's, is he the longest serving manager in the championship he is. now? Yep. Is he really? Yeah. I'm sensing Darren knows his stuff. I like this. Lots of stats. Very, very sure about, about, about his stats. Now, we've only got about, I think it's six days left of this transfer window. Mm. Obviously, it closes on the 8th. Jamal Lowe was rumoured. He's gone to Wigan. Do we, do we think anyone else is going to come in? Come in? Unless he gets a third goalkeeper, I wouldn't have thought there's much else going to be floating around. I think Neil's, you know, got must be fairly happy with what he's got. All them players going out and lots of players coming in. That in itself is not an easy thing to do. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, you can never judge a team until they start playing, can you? With, especially with so many new faces. So, you know, come Saturday, we, we can't all sort of think they're going to all be hit the ground running. I think there's got to be a few... I would say that uh, Jeff just touched on it about it. Left back side, it's a, con- uh, a position of concern for me. Um, Neil did speak about it yesterday. He said he looked about. There was no one at the right money that would fit in better than what he's got. So he's stuck with what he's got. But it's a concern for me, left-sided. I like Ferguson as an attacking player. And Murray Wallace would be a good left-sided centre-half. He's good at set pieces. But as a back, as George touched on, you get a pacey winger, he's going to struggle. Okay, well, if there's any sign that this season championship is going to be interesting, it's a game that's going on right now. Luton at home to Middlesbrough. Luton did take uh, Middlesbrough. Sorry, took an early lead. It's since been back and forth, but Lewis Wing has scored an absolute cracker past Simon Sluger. If Sluger was at fault for Britta Sombolonga's equaliser, he had absolutely no chance with that goal from Lewis Wing. This is the Millwall Fan Show on Love Sport. Plenty more coming up. Love Sport. The Millwall Fan Show, me and Matt Beadle here with the guys from Nolu talking. George Lampy, Darren James and Jeff Burnage. We're with you through to 10pm this evening. We're very excited about the championship season kicking off today. Middlesbrough leading Luton 3-2 at Kenilworth Road this evening. Of course, Millwall host Brent, uh, Preston Sorry, tomorrow. Just before we move on to the next segment, quick promo on Dan Poor. Now keep your eyes open for Dan Poor. That's Poor with an E on the end, D-A-N-P-O-O-R-E on Twitter. Now, we contacted Millwall fan Dan, the organiser of a special event for our clash with Charlton Athletic on the 9th of November called Together for 10. The event is to be held in memory of Millwall fan Jimmy Myerson and Charlton fan Rob Knox, who were both tragically murdered in their teens. Dan told us that he's just awaiting confirmation from Charlton. He'll be delighted to be on the show and tell us about it very soon. We will look forward to speaking to Dan. Hopefully, it won't be long before we have some details on that. Right, chats, we've been talking about the fans forum. I know that you want to get it in. Darren, you were there. You've got quite a comprehensive overview to give us. How did it go? What were the juicy talking points? Neil was greatly uh, appreciative of the chairman, who he said had been very supportive to what he wanted to do. Neil is very pleased with all his new signings. He said there had been too many people there too long. He learnt a lot from last season. He wanted a change of mentality. Uh, He said, very bluntly and very openly, some players can't play at the den, which is what I've been seeing for a long time. Uh, He's the boss and he's seen it and he takes criticism personally, he cares, it affects him and his family when things don't go right. The man's love for Millwall is is infectious and he is very supportive towards the the fans and and what what we want but also he is the boss and he said the the buck's going to stop with him and he's determined and he is really confident about the players he's brought in. He's got all the players he wanted. Um, 
and he's just delighted. He, he said there's more scouts now coming in, more video analysis, so there's more chance of getting the players in in future that might be a lot less money than the expensive ones that are going around for silly money. It's, it's really interesting he alluded to the fact that it affected his personal life because I think that's something that fans probably don't really think about too much. You don't, do you? You go and pay your money and you eat your hot dogs and your pies and you have your pints and all the rest of it. You don't think about a small comment that you might make to a player or a chant that you might make. And often they hear it. You know, we think that it's a really loud stadium, but often they hear it because sometimes you see players and managers react to the fans. And the fact that he mentioned that and said, look, guys, this, it means a lot to me and my family and it, it, and it really affects me. He said, really. he said it hurt him. Really? That was the word he used, yes, wasn't it? it yeah. uh, I thought, I thought Neil... I don't always think... I mean, everyone knows I'm his number one fan. I'm, there's lots of us. I don't think after-match interviews is his best thing. And the reason is, he's too wound up. He cares too much. But in that forum last night, he was absolutely brilliant, I thought. And uh, going on and saying that, um, you know, after three and a half great years, to have that half a year like that. And he said, I could hear people giving their opinion about certain players and about me. And it hurt. And it hurt my family. Right. But um, it didn't. He also said that it didn't stop him really caring about Millwall and its fans. Uh, so, yeah, you know, I thought he showed a brilliant side to him there. I, I really did. Um, Millwall fans are quick to criticise just about anything that moves. So, you know, we, we can't, you know. But I, I notice sometimes, and that includes the players, you know, we, we're quick to criticise players. And if a player gives it back, it's the end of the world. You know, we don't like it. We're really, I'm, I'm a great believer that if you want to say something to a player, he's a human being first and foremost. And if he turns around and says something back to you, you can't very well, mm-hmm. you know, it's no good giving it if you can't take it. And I know it's, I'm going off the track a little bit here, but it's still much the same sort of... No, absolutely. I think you're, you're, you're bang on. Players aren't really protected enough. And, and you're right that when a, fa- a fan can give a player dog's abuse throughout the 90 minutes of the game but as soon as a player does just one little thing to react to it everybody goes crazy you can't do that that's a disgrace how dare you how dare you make a gesture like that it's, it's ridiculous isn't it I don't agree you use the word everybody I really do not agree I think that the only people that give dogs abuse from the safety of four or five rows back they're not worth taking into consideration mm-hmm. their opinions don't count with me and I think I think players pull together if they hear someone's got a bit of abuse. A great example would be Steve Morrison. Mm-hmm. His attitude to when he was being criticised, uh, quite hostile, wasn't it? Uh, his, uh, his body language was, you know, pff, you know, who are you kind of thing. Um, in terms of, th- of those managers who, have, who are connected with the fans, Neil Harris, obviously an ex-player, now in his fourth year, I think, at, at Millwall. Fifth. Fifth, fifth mm. year at Millwall. Mm. Mm. Connection with the fans is obviously so important. Over the years, the, the names that you can think of that have, that have really had that with the Millwall fans, have they always been successful? The, the idea of bringing back a former player mm. around football doesn't usually work, does it? It's more, no, no, more no. often fails than works. So I was really nervous when we appointed Neil. I wanted him to be appointed, but I hated the thought of him not being able to maintain the uh, status that he had with our fans. Fortunately... He's as good a manager as he was a player, um, in my opinion. But uh, Neil reminds me of some of the great managers. I mean, um, I'm going to go a bit mad and say Alex Ferguson. Um, OK. He, yeah, you are a bit mad, but there you go. You he, was always I'm intrigued. A bit mad, you yeah. said this was going to be revealing, <laughs> Jeff, so there he, we go. He cared. 
Mm-hmm. Right? He cared. He would always defend his players. Always. Um, I, I think there are some similarities in approach creeping into Neil's style of management there. Um, I don't want to big him up too much. We'll probably lose on Saturday. But uh, <laughs> um, I, I was happy with the forum, Darren. I know you were... Yeah, well, I mean, tell us what else went on there, Darren. I'm sorry, we well, weird off a bit there, didn't well, we, mate? A lot of the fans were talking about the new players. Um, uh, Neil did say, we'll love John, the new striker from Reading. He's got a good work ethic. He's got goals in him. He's not fit yet, so patient supporters, please, because it's going to take a bit of time for John to get up to speed. But he believes in him. He said, Smithy is a beast. There's a goal in him. And uh, yeah. it made us all laugh. He mentioned Lee Gregory. Uh, he said uh, we could have sold him, and it's another testimony to our chairman JB. Um, we could have sold Gregory in January for a fee, but we needed to keep him to stay up. They spoke about it, Neil and the chairman, and it was agreed he's got to stay. Testimony well done, Millwall, for keeping him because Lee Gregory. We spoke about Ben Thompson was a massive plus for us, but wow, Lee Gregory. We're really going to miss him. Of all the players, we've got new players. I'm really excited, but I'm going to really miss that guy running around and mm-hmm. putting himself about. Yes, he worked really hard, didn't he? And I think we could have got quite a lot of money by our standards for Lee Gregory, actually. Absolutely. A pl- another player that, that you've missed from, from years gone by is this week's Legend of the Week. We're going to bring it forward this week because there's a very special person that we want to talk about. Sorry, they're not, they're not answering. So okay. the, the, the phone yeah. isn't even ringing, so I'm just skipping it around. This week's legend of the week is none other than Brian King. Chaps, Brian King, what are your memories? And by the way, I have to say this is proposed by Lauren, Laurie Engen from Lambeth. I forgot this bit last week. So Laurie Engen, thank you very much for your entry. Brian King, chaps. Well, like the guys here, I've seen lots of goalkeepers. I, and I, I've said this once before, I, I think when it comes to Millwall, Millwall have been blessed. Maybe we've not the greatest outfield players in the world, but I think when it comes to goalkeepers, we really have done. You know, I think we've we've had some great goalkeepers that have gone on to do great things. And I've seen lots of them since, you know, way back, like Jeff and, and Darren here. And to me... Brian King is is the greatest goalkeeper that I've ever seen at Millwall. He, he was really unfortunate that once he got the you know once he got the move to what was you know, of course the first division then, but equivalent to the Premiership, it just didn't happen very long until he got injured, and it was a real crying shame because I think although we were blessed as England with great goalkeepers, I think he would have challenged even the very best. Do and, you really? You know, so I think Laurie, there, you know, you're you're right on the money actually. Darren? Well, it was before my time. Yeah, um, come on. Well, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Darren, who are you? He's trying to make I'm it. Looking young, at you. he? I'm, I'm looking at you, and I'm I know you're old you. enough to remember Brian King. I had a hard paper round. <laughs> um, I, um, I've done my research on him. Uh, he came to Millwall in 1967. We cost... He cost four and a half grand. Manager at the time was Benny Fenton. He replaced an absolute legend in Laurie Leslie. I don't remember him either. But uh, he was called up for an England squad in 1974. He's on the subs bench against Portugal. He was a goalkeeper that at the time should have played for England, but England had so many good Mm. goalkeepers. But also, he moved to Coventry. He played 31 games, got injured in 1976, had to retire through injury. He played with some real Millwall legends, Cripsy, Keith Weller, Posse and Bridges, and he was Barry Kitch's roommate. Um, one thing about Brian King is in looking, researching, 
what always amazed me about him is the colour of the shirts. Even when he played for Millwall, when he moved to Coventry, it was always a, it always seemed to have a brighter shirt than anyone else. I don't know <laughs> if his photographer was a pal of his, but always a bright shirt. The guy stood out. I've met him actually many times. He comes over to Millwall. Absolute gentleman. Love the guy. He would have got England caps because, you know, he's called up, he's on the bench, gets injured. I mean, the chances are mm. that he'd have got he'd have got capped by England. Um, that you, te- you said he signed in '67. Uh, that was the uh, the genius of Benny Fenton. I've referred to it before. In one summer, he was required to replace Alex Stepney, Len Julians, Brian Snowden. You know, three legends of the '60s: Keith Weller, Derek Posse, Dennis Burnett, Brian King. All signed in one month. So um, it's that kind of recruitment that got us nearly to the first division that time. It's that kind of recruitment that got us in the top division in 19... Sorry, when was it? 1998. 88. And I reckon it might be this year's recruitment that might get us in the first division this time. There we go. There's the shout, Jeff. You heard it here first. Millwall going up. Absolutely going up. And when he turns up at the Denmark, I have to tell you that he comes over to the bus and... People, you know, of a certain age yeah. just just love him a bit, you know. They, they, I got to tell you a little story. I was walking down the stairs in the executive lounge. He had obviously come out, and I mean, everybody at Millwall knows Brian King, you know, with a passion. Mm. If you've been there a certain time, and and I, you know, hello, Brian. He he went and walked back in, and the lady said, "Sir, I can't let you come in here." Like she had no idea who the man was, I, and I didn't do it, but I felt like going up and saying, "You do know who this fella is, do you?" <laughs> you know, but yeah. Bless, bless he was a big up. friend of Kitch. You're right, he was his roommate. And when Kitch's family come every year on the anniversary of his sad passing, all taken all too soon, uh, King is almost always there and does a little speech. Um, where, where do you rate him, Jeff, when it comes to goalkeepers? I agree with you, but we've been very blessed. Um, but of course, I go back a lot further than Darren, don't I? You know, well, I mean, we both uh, do. I'm afraid to say you know, I, I didn't realise he was only 17. But there you go, Malcolm <laughs> Finlayson in the 50s. Um, uh, but you know, I've got a favourite. I think Brian King was probably the best. My favourite goalkeeper in a Millwall shirt is the one that cared the most, the one that would have willingly got his head kicked in Pat, for the club. That's, no, Brian Horn. Oh, Brian Horn. Brian Horn Brian was Horn. the keeper that got us in the top division. And it wasn't a coincidence. He was the bravest goalkeeper you've ever, ever seen. And very motivated. When he went on the pitch, he really, really was motivated. How can you forget the penalty save at Bournemouth just before we got promoted and his reaction? He was as if he was behind the goal with the crowd. It was an amazing moment. And um, I think Brian's my favourite goalkeeper at Brian Horn. Brian King was probably the best. Lovely. That's brilliant, Jeff. Brian Horn, yeah. Packed a little... Packed a few pounds, didn't he, Brian Horn? In the end, yeah, yeah. but it yeah. was, you know... He has now. Best not mention that, man. <laughs> Brian Horn, we, if you're listening, be, we love one you. One thing's for sure, his dad will be listening. Oh, all right, well, there we go. Okay, actually, there's one particular memory I have of Brian Horn, and it's the game that the players were mic'd up against yes. Arsenal, the, the famous David Ellery, Ellery game. Brian Horn, it was when he just managed to keep that ball off the line, or we don't know, there was no goal line technology at the time, and it was the one that sent Arsenal players into absolute melt- meltdown, and that's actually what made Tony Adams refer to Ellery as a cheat. Oh. Little, little tidbit, there we go. <laughs> right, after this, we are going to be touching on a lovely little tale, which links in, actually, to a lad who started his career at Millwall, Cherno Samba actually became better known for a career in football manager more than anything. But he was born in Gambia. More of that after this. Love sports. 
Wait, no one likes us. No one likes us. No one likes us. We That was No One Likes Us, We Don't Care, sung like you've never heard it sung before. And to explain that bit of audio, we've now got Jackie Knight on the line. How are you, Jackie? Oh, good evening, guys. Hi, Jeff. Hello, Jackie. and Darren. Hello, Jackie. Jackie, just just run us through exactly what's going on there. Um, Well, since I last spoke to you, um, I now have the backing of Millwall um, in regard to they're going to help promote it in the programme and... I've been working with um, Mr. Barr in Gambia on compiling a new video to hopefully put on the big screen, maybe the whole game, all being well. All being well. Um, yeah, so di- donations have been coming in as well. Um, they're filtering a little bit at Millwall, but I'm hoping when we kick off tomorrow that over the next few home games it gets... There's a few more that come in, but... Can I put a couple of thank yous out? Would you mind so much? Please do so. I'd really like to thank um, a fella, Pat Ed, he's a site manager at Norton Natchball School in Ashford. Um, they've given a notable donation of books, which has kind of changed my goalposts a little bit in regards to getting back out there. Um, yeah, I'd just like to thank him because he's also holding on to it for me because there's so many, they can't go to the line centre. <laughs> so it's all good. How's the you know, the collection? This is George, by the way, Jackie. Sorry. Hi, George. Hello, sweetheart. How, how are things going? You know, are you getting plenty in for the guys? No. At the at the club, at uh, the line centre, I spoke to Sean Daly the other day, and I think there's only a couple of boxes there full. I know Millwall also have um, donated a few shirts as well. Um, that's that's on that side. But when uh, the main thing, I'm really excited about the books as well, obviously, because they're yeah. all quite. Um, they're the books they're using at the moment in schools here, you know, so I'm really excited about those. I am hoping, obviously, over the next couple of home games that some more donations come in, but, you know, it is what it is. What we've got is great. Yeah, Jackie, it's Jeff here. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I love following this story. Um, I've been to Africa a few times myself, and um, I have taken some England shirts out there to a place called Botswana in southern right. Africa. And it goes down so well. They absolutely do appreciate it. And um, I really think you're doing a great thing here. Yeah, I mean, as you know, Jeff, I mean, I, thought, I just went to a wedding, you know. As I've said before, I'm not, I don't work for any charity or anything. I, I just went for a wedding and donated some T-shirts. And you've got to thank the Millwall fans, to be fair, because mm. they're the ones who were touched by the video and they're the ones who have donated and had an interest in it. Um, so... That, yeah. Jackie, you're doing a great thing. But in this programme, we've already mentioned um, uh, the uh, Jimmy Mizzen thing coming up. Mm-hmm. We've, we're going to talk about Ellis shortly. Ellis, you know, um, hopes to walk. Joe and mm-hmm. Amy's daughter. This is the real Millwall fan. There's three things in one programme there that Fantastic. absolutely got nothing to do with the image that uh, the media and sadly our own governing body like to uh, to portray yeah that's the thing when i say the goalposts have changed as well now that we've got notable donations initially when i came back and i thought there might be three or four boxes that i could post off um now that we've got all these books it's kind of changed the goalposts hence why i've started up a go uh, just giving page myself just to start the ball rolling um to get back out there because i don't want anything to go amiss i don't want to have all these donations and then i send them off 
and they don't receive them. Mm. I know that sounds a bit mad, but it happens. It does. Where how is the Thanksgiving page, you know, the giving page going? It's, it's, it's ticking over. Um, I am hoping after I'm in the programme that, obviously, that might rise. I mean, ideally, I'd like Husky or Millwall to just send me back out there. Yeah, I mean, once, as you, you made the point there early on, that once, as, you know, tomorrow kicks in and, and games start to come and go, it's that that might help you quite a lot, actually, mightn't it? Yeah, I'm just learning about shipping at the moment because I've never shipped anything in my life. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> but I have got some contacts out in Gambia, so I do hope that it all goes, you know, I can get it all off and it gets there in time because I'd like to try and tie this up, if possible, by the end of the year. Because um, I just don't like loose ends hanging, you know. And where I've started this, I can't bear if there's loose ends hanging. So I need to finish off and, you know, I just need to, I just need to get out there, I suppose. And what I'd really like to do is vid- get get out there. The stuff will come into the port, video the whole journey of it, even down to taking it to the school, opening it up. You know, can you imagine the joy on a fan's face if oh, one of their yeah. shirts get pulled out? It's like, whoa. <laughs> You don't yeah. see that though, do you? You no, don't actually no, see that. Most don't. people donate, and you know, you just you just believe it's going to go to where you, where you want it to go. But I just feel like to f- just to f- cover the finish this up to do that. I've got you know, there's something in me that just says I've got to do that. Um, I'm hoping to get the kids as well. I'm working with Mr. Barr quite closely, uh, closely, and that he's compiling a new video and a new song, which I'm hoping to get on the big screen at one of the home games in the foreseeable future let's say this month maybe into september just so that they can thank people you know that's nice um, yeah and that, can i just say another couple of thank thank you you say well. as many as you like to Matt okay then you off. i'd like to thank firstly aisha smith um Eamon barkley and mickey simpson only because they've all steered me in the right direction and if all been well um hopefully we'll get the kids to be able to watch a game on iFollow. oh that's great That'd be fantastic, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's lovely the the football club have, have come on board with this, isn't it? You they know, have indeed. Yeah, they, they get a bit of criticism yet. from us now and again, but, you know, they do a lot of good stuff, and it certainly sounds like, you know, supporting you is we, one of we those We do things. an awful lot of good stuff. Yeah. We do an awful lot of good stuff, Neil. Well, we always have. You know, it's, it's good to hear about it. Yeah. You're doing a marvellous job, Jack. Thank you very much. Well done. I'd just like to wish Miss Millwall as well all the very best for next season as well, and obviously all the new arrivals, signings. Good luck, you know. Thank, thanks, Jackie. We hope that it's going to be a good season. That was Jackie Knight, who's fundraising to send Millwall shirts, boots and stationery to the Gambian School. Now, don't forget, whether you're in an organisation or an individual, you can help by contacting Jackie Knight on Facebook at or indeed at Mrs Millwall 1969 there's a Twitter handle for you <laughs> on Twitter or by going to Jackie Knight's Just Giving Fundraiser she mentioned that there for this cause also against Preston tomorrow 15 year old Maisie asks fans to mark her doting dad's memory by clapping on the 57th minute of Saturday's game as Steve Morell was only 15 years 57 years old sorry when he died remember Steve and make it happen for Maisie and her wider family and friends and before I forget you must remember Jan Sten from Husky Chocolate last week he wants you all in good voice for the match against Preston and Husky Chocolate are giving a free drink to all Millwall fans at the Den this Saturday. There you go, guys. Hot, <laughs> hot and cold chocolate. Oh, oh, we were told it was cold chocolate as well <laughs> last week, so who knows what you're going to get. <laughs> well, they got a big enough lorry, that's for sure. You should see the size of it. It's enormous. Yeah. That was lovely from Jackie, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah brilliant. Absolutely brilliant.
Yeah, she's she's a lovely girl and and she's done marvellous, you know, and I, I wish her all the luck. And it seems everybody's trying very hard for her. So not only even Millwall fans, you know, but lots of football fans in general are helping. So that's... Absolutely. And it is, we must mention as well that most of our listeners will be aware of young Elise Barr, a Millwall fan who, was, who we promoted and spoken about on this programme several times in the past. She suffers with diplegia cerebral palsy, which has affected her mobility since birth. Her story and her parents' fundraising efforts have touched the hearts of Millwall fans and supporters of other clubs worldwide. And we couldn't get them on the line tonight, which was such a shame. But guys, just, uh, just a touch on that wonderful effort that's going on there. Yeah, uh, Ellis's wish to walk, that's known as that campaign. And uh, look, he doesn't want any credit, but what a great job Jed Wallace has done uh, for that family. He's really taken that cause to his heart, hasn't he? Uh, he took, he carried her on the pitch against against Everton, didn't he? Yes, he has. Yeah, it's uh, been great. Uh, yeah. So that, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And she's making great progress, so that's that's marvellous, you know. Yeah, absolutely. We're all thinking of you. Right, we are going to do the fan in the boardroom next, guys, and then look ahead to Saturday's game against Preston. Love Sport. This is Love Sport and the Millwall Fan Show. We are about 15 or so minutes from the end. And before we move on to the next step, I tell you what, if the championship is going to be anything like tonight's ding-dong battle between Luton and Middlesbrough, we've got one heck of a season in store. Middlesbrough took the lead through Ashley Fletcher. Luton equalised Sonny Bradley and then went ahead through Martin Craney. Britis Ambalonga scored a goal, which Simon Sluger made a right howler for. He then had no chance with the strike from Lewis Wing. But James Collins equalised for Luton five minutes before the death. Luton three, Middlesbrough three. What a way to start the season, chaps. Oh, yes, as you say, Matt. If this is going to be the championship, and what a good advert that was, actually. Uh, Luton just coming up, of course, and I thought they looked a very good team against an established championship club in Middlesbrough. So, yes, it all looks uh, very promising. They've just won two promotions on the bounce, haven't they? I think Luton. I they, they went think one season without, I think, they? and then came. Did they up go again. down to the uh, conference at one? They point? did. Yes, they yeah, did, they went yeah. down to See, the national yeah. league. There's always hope. Yeah, but uh, uh, the eternal hope. You might be right. I think it was successive promotions. It was Lincoln that had a separate season and then came up. Whether whether they will find their feet in the championship over 46 games remains to be seen. Well, don't spoil their moment. Uh, I'm not going to, but I'm going to praise. One thing, I mean, the, the manager there, Nathan Jones, that got them to where they are now at Stoke, they've replaced him with someone called Graham Jones, who mm-hmm. worked with Roberto Martinez at Wigan and at Swansea and at Belgium, and decided to go on his own and was actually assistant to Darren Moore at West Brom for a short time. Um, they've appointed him as the manager. It's his first managerial job. He turned down Swansea. The reason I know this is that he started his career as a Millwall junior. There we he, go. He's, he's from the northeast. We had a good scout in the northeast at the time, and uh, he was one that we got down. And um, uh, he's a rough, tough centre forward. And unfortunately, during his time as an apprentice, as it was then, sadly his mother passed away, and it meant as the oldest child, he was going to have to look after the family. So he asked us if he could be released. Um, sadly, we had to let him go, and he went back to. I think it's Gateshead, I'm not sure, somewhere in the Newcastle area. And eventually he went to Bridlington and started playing and then somewhere else, worked his way up to Wigan. And um, I think very, very highly of him as a man. 
that's a story that not many people will know, if anybody. And um, I wish Graham Jones all the best in his managerial career at Luton for 44 of the next 46 games. <laughs> well, it's a really interesting point you make there, Jeff, as well, because a lot of a lot of the time you hear the argument that there's no time for sentiment in football. But that's a prime example there where, you know, someone's come to you and, and given you a real good excuse to say, do you know what? OK, you go and you go and do your thing. Yeah, football clubs can be quite good sometimes in, you know, treating people like human beings. And you don't, as Jeff says, you wouldn't have heard of these type of stories. Well, you don't, do you? You hardly ever hear of them. So, yeah. It's never it's never easy to part with young players on good terms because you're shattering their dreams a mm-hmm. lot of the time. So it's very difficult to do that well. And most of the time I've known about Millwall, we have done it well. Uh, there have been times when we haven't, um, but, um, you know, there it is. In that particular case, um, he came at the same time as Alan Dowson. Anyone remember him? Uh, he's now the manager of Woking. Yeah. Um, they're big mates, I think, those two, if I'm not mistaken. Let's move on. That's Graham Jones. <laughs> That's Luton. We're Millwall. We are Millwall, and it is Preston up tomorrow, gents. First game of the championship season. What are we thinking? Are we looking forward to it? Is it a good team to have on that first game of the season? It's not uh, a huge team. It's not one of the big guns, but thinking you can get a result? Well, I'm going for a 2-2 draw in terms of prediction, but they're a very good team, Preston. They annihilated us last season uh, in the first 20, 30 minutes. I'd never seen anything like it. They absolutely ripped us apart. Um, They've just brought in, I believe, Andre Green uh, in the last 24 hours from Villa on loan. They haven't made a lot of changes uh, from their squad. Uh, so I think they're going to have a good season, Preston, unfortunately. But then it's going to be a draw tomorrow. We've got a big game coming up tomorrow. Um, with the crowd going to be well behind us. I mean, all these new signings, it's exciting. We don't know who's going to play. When we used to go to last season, <laughs> back in the day, we knew who was going to play because we had no one else to pick. But now we've got a few people buzzing for a shirt, and that's nice. I do feel like the, the mood in the past two shows that I've done, the, the optimism... The optimism's there. Yes, I, I think we had a we had a you could call it a really rough season. You know, mm-hmm. we had, and and I think Neil had to do this for not only for the football club's sake but for his own because if he had stayed with them players, you know, it would have affected Neil's career also. I think, and you know, all right, the chairman's backed him, but he needed to back him, and and you know, and and I think. You know our recruitment team; they seem to be on the on the money where they they find good players. I mean, we can't afford. I suppose they go to Neil and say we can find any you know find people, and sometimes we can't afford them. But as a general rule, I think as Darren was saying, I think the supporters have seen these players coming in, lots of them, in positions that we knew we needed to strengthen. Uh, so I think there's an air of excitement about the place and. And Preston being a very, as Darren also said, they were a very good team last year when they came to us. I think they were on a, on a winning streak of about seven games. Um, they were heading towards the top. They played possibly the best football anybody did at the Den. I thought from then on they would just about beat everybody that they came against. And after they beat us, they just seemed to come to a dead end for some reason. But they were excellent on the day. Weren't they three up in 20 minutes or something they were. at the den? Yeah, something and I, and ridiculous. I don't think we could hardly get a kick, actually. No, It no. wasn't us playing badly. It was it was an it occasion where they were very good. It might have been. If they yeah, went both. on a losing streak afterwards, maybe we made them look well, good. Well, no, I, I think they looked very good. I think actually. it is true that when you get signings, people do get a bit more pleasure out of looking forward to the season. Mm-hmm. 
I agree with that, but um, I'm going to be a bit of a cold, wet blanket. Uh, Nigel Spackman signed nearly nearly 20 players one summer. Um, people won't remember that as well as I do because I think about one of them was any good. So, um, but this is different, I'm sure. And um, uh, yeah, it does cause excitement, doesn't it, when there's new faces and competition for places. And um, yeah, none of us can wait, can we? For honest, well, come back, come tomorrow as quick as possible, really. I tell you what, but just we're going to touch on a bit more nostalgia after what you said there, Jeff, as well, because the last time Preston and Millwall met on the opening day of a league season was 1982-83. Preston won that 3-2 at Deepdale. The 82-83 season at the Den was quite busy in terms of the transfer market. Willie Carr came in from Wolves. Trevor Aylott was there, that lumbling, cent- lumbling centre forward. <laughs> David Stride came in from Memphis in the US. A whole load of signings were made in that particular window. So also it was a 17th place finish, Division 3 at the time. Got through the managers as well. Peter Anderson was sacked. Barry Kitchener obviously came in as caretaker. And George Graham arrived at the Den. Legend. Well, Remember that season? And then we were off and running, you know, because George was one of Millwall's greatest managers, that's for sure. Who but, remember, were you there, Darren, or are you claiming to be too young for that one as well? I was still doing my paper round. No, I was there. I remember that very well. For, George for, y- for young Millwall fans, we had to go to Chesterfield on the last day of the season and win to stay in what would now be League One. Um, and we won 1-0 with a penalty by... An, do either of you know who took that penalty? I can't remember. Dave Cusack oh, took right. that penalty... Uh, we won 1-0. And, well, it's not uh, very often you centre-half a take a penalty, is it? No, I don't think nobody else had the bottom to take it, <laughs> frankly. Um, as it happened, other results meant that we didn't actually, we hadn't had to have won. But you went into the season knowing that only a win guaranteed you survival. George was a very, very, very good manager by the time he left Millwall. He learned his trade at Millwall. And um, uh, I think we benefited him greatly in his career as well as he did a great job for us. It's interesting that um, he left in 86 and John Doherty came in and everyone knows two seasons later we got promoted to the first division. There was only one survivor of George's team. Only one in the whole squad. Um, So it wasn't George Graham's team that got us promoted. It was John Doherty's team that got us promoted. The survivor, Les Briley. There we go. I tell you what, I enjoy. I feel like we should do a whole retro hour on this show because it's pretty interesting. Yeah, but I'm an old git. That's no, why all we, my we stories, love, all my stories are 40 years tomorrow, ago. And tomorrow, Matt, when we turn up at the Dane, Les will be there to greet us. There we go. So no there go. Interestingly, Trevor Aylott, who did sign that summer, also left in the same season. He went to Luton, so not a huge success at Millwall. But I just want to touch on something you said there, Jeff, with regards to giving George Graham his grounding. That's something that isn't as common nowadays in football is it in terms of the lower league clubs having managers like you saw Martin O'Neill do so successfully at Wickham went to Wickham when they were in non-league brought them all the way up to what is League One now and eventually went on to huge success at, at Leicester and Celtic and not so much at Villa and Sunderland but still was a top level manager obviously Republic of Ireland as well you tend not to see that as much now you tend to see managers go straight to the top and then last season two or three and then fall by the wayside because they haven't been successful straight off the bat. Well, yeah, but I mean, it's a little bit like players, isn't it? It's, it, it sort of mirrors them, doesn't it, the managers there now? You know, you only need a manager to get success for two or three seasons. And as you say, Matt, he doesn't jump maybe one division. He jumps about two or three. Um, whether he then becomes out of his depth, I don't know. But, you know, it does seem to happen on a lot of occasions. 
Shifting forward again to tomorrow, home form, chaps. This is a game at home. No side won fewer home games in the championship in 2019 than Fulham, uh, the Millwall. Sorry, I don't want to start on a downer. But home form is you really just key, did isn't start it? On a sorry, yeah. what do you mean you don't want to start on a downer? You just did. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I'm now backtracking and saying, well, we hope it's not going to be like that next season. Okay. Well, I, I think tomorrow is going to be the start of something good. I, I, I know I praised Preston for last season. I think tomorrow we are going to win 3-0 and it's going to be a, a good start for us at the Den. That's a huge predict, uh, prediction there. Just again in goal, we've got Frankie Fielding. How did he play against Real Sociedad, by the way, Aaron? He took his time uh, with his decisions, I believe. Yeah. Well, what I saw, he... I, I, he was my first choice. I mentioned it on, on air a few weeks ago. He was my first choice to bring in, so I was really thrilled to get him. Um, he was out last season for a few injuries. Um, I rate him, but he's got his goal kicks and he, he found his man every time. I mean, he was pumping it up to Smithy. Smithy was laying it off, but he seemed to be very uh, slow with his kickouts. Uh, so I want him to be a bit quicker. I want to get. Do you think he'll play? I do, yeah, absolutely. You think you're playing in front of Bielkowski? Absolutely, yeah. And I do believe he's a much better goalkeeper than our new arrival, in my opinion, humbly. Interesting, isn't it? I mean, I don't think anyone can predict the team. Well, I'll tell you what, we've got about a minute to go, so very quickly, I'm going to go around you predictions of the season before the season starts. Darren, you first. Mill to come in ninth slot. Ninth position. <sighs> cool, that's going. The most even championship in recent years. I haven't got a clue. <laughs> so I tell you this, we will not be anywhere near the bottom three and four like we were last season. Nowhere near it. Nowhere near. Brilliant. I think Optimism. they've got us down for finishing one above where we did last season, haven't they, the bookies? I think we're going with a bit of good fortune and a and a wind in our back, I think we will end up pretty near the top ten. Pretty near the top ten. Okay, so optimism. I'm liking this, chaps. <laughs> this is optimism. Now, the season starts tomorrow. Millwall will host Preston in the championship. What will the score be? What will the season hold tomorrow? We will find out, and we'll be back same time next week on the Millwall Fan Show. This is Love Sport. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter.